be a blessing to you. We also come, Father, to be transformed from glory to glory to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in each of our hearts, to reveal your word, to open up your word to us, to provide insights that even the speaker isn't going to give, to minister to each person. And Father, this morning I ask for strength and, pray and praise you for the healing that's coming on me. In Jesus' name, amen. I saved my PowerPoint someplace I have no idea where. <laughs> so if our clicker has a little problem keeping up with me this morning, you'll understand it's my fault, not his. Although I'm sure he will do an excellent job. Um, the, the writer of Hebrews says that we should move on from milk to meat. And I, obviously it's in the Bible, I believe that. But you know, even though I don't need milk anymore, or at least not much, I enjoy an ice-cold glass of milk sometimes. This morning we are going to be looking, or starting to look at the attributes of God. And you can't quite do that without going back to some basics, to some milk. So this morning will be mostly milk, but hopefully the Holy Spirit will take the words and the anointing and heal those bruises that are on your heart remove those scars that you might have, and convince you once and for all how incredibly much, how immeasurably much God loves you. Not just us, not just them. He loves you with an immeasurable love, a love that without the Holy Spirit we really cannot understand. So, in Exodus chapter 34, we read that after Israel's rebellion with the golden calf, Moses breaks the tablets. Moses goes back up the mountain to the Lord, who has Moses make a second set of tablets. The Lord writes his commands on the stone tablets, and then he says to Moses in verses 5 through 7, Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Today we are looking at the attributes of God. Uh, first of all, in order to know him as he really is, to recognize who we are in Christ, and to take the understanding of who God is and his purpose for us and who we are in Christ and use that to activate the gifts that Christ has given us. I would like to suggest that the attributes of God stem or flow out of who God is. 
God is love. So his attributes all flow out of love. And that means that any time God does anything, he does it out of love. In verse 6, we see that God's love is extended toward us. He is merciful, gracious, patient. He abounds in goodness and in truth. He's forgiving, forgiving of our iniquity, our transgressions, and our sin. And then in verse 7, we read that God is just, not clearing the guilty. It is not loving to allow injustice to assault the just. And as God is holy and has separated himself from unrighteousness, so he separates those who are the righteousness of Christ from the unrighteous. Those who refuse to accept the free gift of salvation that brings Christ's righteousness to cover their unrighteousness. Because of his love, God has made a way for the unjust to become just. As we read in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Ours is a loving Father who delights to show mercy to those who believe in Jesus Christ as his Son and on Christ's finished work as, on Calvary. He's a loving Father who, because of his incredible love for us, separates us from those who refuse to acknowledge and receive his Son as Savior and Lord. So what does this mean for us as Christians? Well, first of all, it means that the very things that, that he pours out on us, the, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his patience, freely extending forgiveness, That allows us, that empowers us to extend the same to others, no matter how many times they fail us. I can forgive anybody anything because God has forgiven me. I can love anybody because God loves me. It means that we, the redeemed, redeemed by the blood of Christ, have God's favor. Because we are in Christ and loved by our Father, he is actively working through his Holy Spirit for our good. If this is true, then what about times of trials and temptations and persecution? Has God stopped loving us so much? I hope today that we can settle now and forever that since God doesn't change, his love for us cannot change. No matter the, the trials we go through, the troubles we experience, God is there with us. And God has made a way of salvation in every experience. 
in every trial, testing, trouble, persecution, God has made a way for us to draw close to him and for him to carry us through those, those experiences, those valleys. There's nothing that can change God's immeasurable love for you. Now we can stand in grace by being obedient to God's word. Or we can walk out from under God's cloud of blessing through our disobedience. And that does make a difference on what we can receive. But it does not change God's love for you. God's love, purposes, desire for you are unchanging, regardless of what we do. Let's start with why did God create you in the first place? Quite simply, God created you for his pleasure. What does that mean? You know, some people take pleasure in things that are cruel. But that's not the type of pleasure God takes in you. That's not God's nature. From knowing God's nature, we know that he created you for his pleasure because, and Genesis 3 tells us that, I'm sorry, let's start in Colossians 1.16 and then Genesis 3. For by him all things are created that are in heaven and on, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. We were created, we were created by God, for God. God is love, and love by its nature must be demonstrated by showering itself upon the object of its love. God desired reciprocal love, so he created man in his own image. Think about this. He had already created the angels. They were spirit beings. But they did not have the ability to choose to love God, only to obey or disobey. God wanted somebody who would choose to love him. And so he created you and me. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. In Genesis 3.8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid himself, themselves from his presence. I'm sorry, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, God created man to fellowship with, to be a friend with. He created you to fellowship with. And to be a friend with, and not just a friend, not just an acquaintance. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, we read, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who are priceless. Now I have pointed out in previous sermons that that Greek word knew, it's the same Greek word in Matthew 1.25 where it says Joseph did not know Mary or Joseph did not have an intimate relationships with Mary until after Jesus was born. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. And how much does God love you? Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again in Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 5, But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. God created Adam in his own image so he would have somebody to have fellowship with who would choose to love him. He created Eve for the same reason, even though he created Eve to fulfill Adam or to make Adam complete. And they sinned. They decided they wanted to be more like God than to trust God. And ever since then, men's spirits have been dead. No fellowship with God whatsoever. But God knew before he even created the world in which he was going to create man. That he would love man so much. That even though he had turned away from God, even though he chose to love himself more than God, God would make a way where there was no way. God would make a way, a just way, because he's just, to restore the fellowship with his creation that he created for his pleasure. And so, we all know he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to take our penalty, our, our punishment our unrighteousness upon himself so that we could be declared righteous by God. If God loved us when we were dead in trespass and sin, how much more is his favor extended to us now that we are righteous in his sight? He doesn't love us any more or less, but his favor now his ear is inclined toward us. His heart is inclined toward us. And he loves to lavish us with his love. John, 1 John 3.1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. God didn't just create you for his pleasure. He created you to be part of his family. He adopted you. I've always been amazed at adoption. 
Because why would somebody lavish their love, the same love they would lavish on their own children, on someone else's child? That's amazing. And yet that's what God has done for you. He has entreated you as his own child. Romans 8, uh, 38 and 39, we're all familiar with. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which in Christ Jesus, uh, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is God's essential nature to love. And out of that love flows all of his other attributes, mercy, forgiveness, grace, long-suffering. All of his attributes flow out of the fact that he is love. He describes himself as love, and he cannot deny himself. He is just, he is just hooked on you. Doesn't matter. He created you to love and to be loved back, and he will continue to do that. He won't give up on you. Maybe you've given up on yourself. He will not give up on you. God refers to us as the bride of Christ in Revelation 19, verses 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Again, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, we are adopted into God's family just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you. God knew what you would do. And he chose to love you. He didn't stop, not create you because you wouldn't be good enough. He created you in his image so that he could lavish his love upon you. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was his good pleasure to adopt you into his family. To the praise and glory of grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Beloved. A term of great endearment. And everybody has a basic need to be accepted. You know, some people don't accept me. They're lost. My loss too. But God accepts me. And he doesn't just accept me. He accepts me in the beloved, in the bride. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Because you are rooted and grounded in love, you are filled with the fullness of God. And because you are filled with the fullness of God, you can do the same works that Jesus did. Because that's who Jesus was. He was full of the fullness of God. And, and, and Jesus said, not only can we do the works that he did, he said that we can do even greater works because he went to be with the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to empower us. Oh, brothers and sisters, God loves you so much. We have no idea of the great plans he has for us. And so many times we fail to understand or recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that abides in us. The very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and empowers you to do the things that God has called you to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, we see, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. But the one and same spirit, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Thank God we don't all have the same gifts. And I want to point out that he doesn't say that he gives one gift. God gives gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. And you all have multiple gifts. And, and the Holy Spirit is within you to empower you to excel at those gifts. Why? Because God loves you so much. We all have gifts, but not all of our gifts are the same. The power gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and the ministry gifts listed in Ephesians 14 are not the only gifts that the Holy Spirit bestows. An incomplete list of other service gifts listed in the New Testament are administration, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, hospitality, and many more. I was talking to uh, Milt, Milt, and we were talking about gifts, and Milt said, you know, I've always loved to work with my hands. I always loved cutting grass here at COC. I'm sad I don't have the strength to do that anymore. You see, his gift was service. His gift, his gift was being able to use his hands and create things with his hands and do things with his hands. And you know, that gift is important in the body of Christ. Our grounds would be a shamble if somebody didn't have the gift of service and the gifts of using their hands. Peter, my son, amazes me. 
I take something apart because it's broken and I just can't figure the thing out. Peter walks over, he picks it up, he goes, oh, there's the problem, Dad. He's got different gifts than I got, than I have. Whatever your gifts are, know that they are given by the Holy Spirit as he chooses. And they are empowered by the same Spirit. And God loves you so much that he wants you to be part of the working of his kingdom. And that's why he gives the gifts. So that you can participate in his plan, in his body. In his church. So how do you know what your gift is? Well, God gave you talents when he created you. God gave me a talent for teaching. I taught water safety in college. I taught first aid as an undergraduate student instructor at the university. I um, taught Sunday school at the church I was attending. I taught Bible studies. I even once had the privilege of teaching a workshop at the Arrowhead Conference on the Holy Spirit in uh, Duluth, Minnesota, back sometime in the 70s. All of this before God called me to be a teacher in the body of Christ. I love studying. It doesn't matter what it is. I love studying the Bible. I also enjoy studying other things. I'm a great science fan. I love studying God's creation. And I love teaching. I love teaching the Bible. I also enjoy teaching other things. I enjoy teaching uh, pre-hospital medical care as a paramedic instructor. It's what God wired into me. It's who I am. It's the gift that he gave me and, and, and causes me to enjoy doing what I do. So what are you good at doing? What do you enjoy doing? What even do you desire to do that maybe you're not? I want to tell you, God wired those things into you. And he, he gave them to you not for you to fail. Oh yeah, we learn as we go. But the Holy Spirit and God's love are there to gently help us grow in the gifts that he has given us. I remember Bob Heil said one time in talking about gifts, he said, what are your druthers? Because God put those druthers in you. God wired these things into you knowing his plans that he has for you. And because he loves you so much, he will empower you to use those gifts. But whether it's a service gift, a ministry gift, or a power gift... The same truth applies. Just like in prophecy, you have to open your mouth and speak it. You might only have the first few words. You might only have the first sentence, but as you open your mouth to speak it, the rest flows. Or like tongues. I could speak in tongues, not if, unless I speak. God gives me the utterance. God gives me the words, the Holy Spirit. Because he, he loves me and he loves his body. But I have to do something first. I have to activate the gift. I have to open my mouth and in faith speak. And so whatever your gifts are, 
God will empower you to use them. But you have to activate it. You have to step out in faith and start to do it. And trust the Holy Spirit within you to empower you to excel at whatever it is God has called you to do. And it's all because he loves you so much. Don't ever doubt his love. Even when the times are hard, he's there. He's for you. He's with you. Don't deny yourself the joy of participating in God's work. But step out. Be bold because God loves you and he will not allow you to fail. Oh, you might stumble. You might bruise your knee. But God will be there to pick you up and to encourage you and to show you what needs to, how you can do it better. The Holy Spirit will continue to move in you and empower you as you trust him in faith. And we can trust him in faith because he loves us so much. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for your unmeasurable love for us. Lord, how can we, how can we say thank you enough that while we were still sinners and dead in our sin, that you gave Jesus Christ as a sacrifice, as an offering, not just to cover our sin, but to remove our transgressions once and for all. And how can we thank you for giving us the opportunity to participate in your work here in this world and in this life? Father, let us take the gift of salvation, call upon the name of the Lord, and step out in boldness and faith. Father, give each of us an opportunity this week to use one of the gifts that you have put in us and to see the Holy Spirit magnify it, increase it beyond our expectations. We ask for your encouragement, O oh God. We thank you for it. We don't want to be tomorrow who we are today. We want to be more like Jesus Christ. And so we give you praise. We give you thanks. You are a worthy God. And we love you today.